Welcome back to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. With me today is Linda Bjork. And Linda is an amazing woman that is doing a lot of things on the forefront as well as behind the scenes. But here's a little bit more about her. She is a best-selling author, founder of Hope for Healing nonprofit, and the host of Linda's Corner podcast. Some of her books include Crushed, A Journey Through Depression, and Amazon bestseller. You got this, an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. Linda's personal mission is to empower people to become their best selves. And today, Linda and I will be talking about from broken to beautiful. And without further ado, welcome Linda Bjork. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Genesis, and to be talking with you about awesome things. I can't wait to share my story. Thank you, Linda. And I'm super excited to learn more about who you are and your journey. So I want to talk about um, your childhood. And the reason why I want to go all the way back to your childhood, because when we are children, a foundation gets laid. But then whenever we begin to grow and mature, that foundation begins to be shifted, just like if we live in a, if you live in a house or apartment condo or whatever whenever you know the weather changes and the seasons change the house you know expands and it also con contracts and sometimes you see those cracks in the walls and etc so let's start off with your childhood journey and weave that into your adulthood that way we know a little bit more about who Linda is Awesome. Okay, so we're going to start from childhood and then I'm going to slip it all in here into from broken to beautiful. So my childhood was wonderful and less than wonderful as childhood often is. I was born into a wonderful family with great parents. And then when I was six years old, there was a distinct change. My mother changed. She shut me out completely and had nothing to do with me. And I thought as a child, and I didn't understand what was going on. I thought, what did I do wrong? There must be something wrong with me. I, I am unlovable. I am unlovable. My mom doesn't love me anymore. I don't know what I did. And I let that define me. And when I was six years old, I decided, you know what? I'm not lovable. And then from that point on, it didn't matter what I did as far as accomplishments in school or, or any kind of um, awards, because in, in deep, deep, deep in my soul, I knew, you know what? It doesn't matter because I am not a lovable person. And then later on, many years later, when I realized that, you know, actually my mom was going through some really hard times. She had her heart broken. And she did choose to shut me out. And it was self-defense. It was trying to protect herself from any future harm. And it actually didn't have anything to do with me, my lovability or my self-worth. It was someone who was hurting, who was trying to take care of her own needs at that time. So let me kind of share a little bit about who I am and what my story is. So, um, Perhaps you're familiar with the Japanese art form called kintsugi, and they take pottery and break it, and then they repair it using this mixture of, of lacquer and gold dust, and it creates something that is beautiful and unique, and it's actually stronger than it was before it was broken. 
it transforms from broken to beautiful. And, and that is my story, a transformation from broken to beautiful. So um, like I said, I grew up feeling rather broken, but I could still live my life. I really could. I mean, I could do all the things I could get married. I could have kids. I could, you know, do things because I could still function, but there's another level of, of brokenness and I call it crushed. And that's when you're not just broken, but you can't function very well. And so for me, that was, oh yes, please. So question there. So you said you learned another level of brokenness and it was crushed. And so these emotions were stemming from whenever you were six and you felt unlovable by your mother without you realizing that your mother was hurting. And instead of her dealing with her hurt in a different way, she dealt with it by shutting you out. So then you were reflected by the age of six of what your mother did, not really understanding. So then you see the dynamics there. But then where was your father while this was going on? That is an excellent question. Um, My mother and father were and are still married. And he was there. But in his mind, I guess he was taking care of work and other things. And you know, the kids were the mom's responsibility for the most part. So I just kind of slipped through the cracks. I felt invisible and that was kind of the way it was. So anyway, life, life happens. And then in addition to our normal day-to-day life, sometimes we have bigger challenges that come our way. So, and I've dealt with poverty and I've dealt with sickness and I've dealt with trauma. I had my mouth wired shut for six weeks once so that my jaw could, my broken jaw could heal during which time I could not talk and I could not eat. I could only uh, drink through a straw. I have also survived um, a catastrophic engine failure in a small airplane in flight and the plane uh, a big explosion sound and smoke and the plane is shaking and it's obvious that we're not going to make it to a runway and so we had to try to find a place to land that wouldn't kill us or hopefully not also damage property and people on the ground and it was terrifying I have also arrived at the scene of a motorcycle accident in time to see my son's broken body lying in the middle of an intersection surrounded by flashing lights and emergency personnel. And Genesis, that is a scene that I will never forget. I've also taken my teenage daughter in for some outpatient surgery to help correct some female issues she was having. It was a simple cutting cauterizing procedure. And after the doctor was done, he said, take her home, you know, let her have some rest. A little bleeding should be normal, but watch for blood clots and infection. So I took her home, put her to bed. And then every half hour or so I tiptoe into her room and see how she was doing. And she was sleeping peacefully. And after a few hours, she sent me a text. I'm in the kitchen. She's in her room. And she said, mom, will you come to my room? I need to show you something. So I went to her room and I said, Hey, you're awake. How are you doing? And she didn't answer me with words. Instead, she threw off her covers and she was soaked in blood from her chest all the way down to her feet. And there are not words adequate to describe the panic and the terror that I felt and also horrible guilt because I had been checking on her the whole time and I thought she was okay. And in reality, she was bleeding to death right under my nose. 
I've also been awoken in the middle of the night with a phone call that my nine-month-old grandson had had a seizure and he was not expected to make it through the night. He was life-flighted to a primary children's hospital where they did emergency surgery to try to relieve the pressure on his brain, followed by another very delicate brain surgery to try to uh, preserve his life and to correct the problem. And they were able to preserve his life, but unfortunately he did sustain brain damage through this ordeal. I also have another beautiful grandchild who was diagnosed with cancer at age five months. So we all have challenges and struggles and trials in our lives, and we do the very best we can to handle them and to move forward. But sometimes we're hit with something that is so big or so unexpected, or maybe so many things in a row that we just become overwhelmed and we don't handle them very well. And when we're in that place, it is possible, if we're not careful, to slip into depression. And that is what happened with me. It was as if I had fallen into a deep, dark pit. And it was so deep that hope and sunlight and happiness could not reach me. And there so were no windows or doors in this deep, dark place. And I did not see any way out. So a question, Linda, yeah. before you continue, because I want to put some context around this. So after going through all the trauma, the life challenges, and et cetera, you sunk into a deep depression where you didn't see the light out or anything. And while you were going through this, were you married mm -hmm. during this time? Mm -hmm. Was how did your husband react whenever your mood began to change and alter and you're now on this roller coaster ride called life and instead of going up you're going down into that depression how did he react being your helpmate being your spouse and being the head of the household those are excellent questions and the answer is a little bit complicated um, you know, some of the trials we were sharing together. So that meant that he was dealing with things as I was dealing with things. And that is always challenging because you're not completely in that uh, role of an observer and as a, a cheerleader sort of, because you're also a player and you're going through it as well. And also he was extremely frustrated that he could not fix me. It, it, he hated it. He thought, I, I just need to fix her and, you know, to get her back to normal. And um, it doesn't actually work that way, just FYI. So in this deep, dark place, there's no windows, there's no doors. I didn't see any way out. I thought, well, this is my new reality. From here on out, this is as good as it gets. And the best I can ever hope for is to endure in misery for the rest of my life. And I stayed in that place for about five years, but almost no one knew because I was very, very good at hiding it. And you mentioned my husband, and he's one of the only people who knew because I was excellent at masking. I wanted, I wanted everything to be okay. It wasn't, but I tried to put that message across that everything is okay. We're all good, but you can't keep that mask up 24 seven. And so my husband knew and, um, he was, he felt helpless and frustrated and angry and discouraged and all of those kinds of things. Let, let's sit here for a bit, um, Linda, because what you just said was 
you were putting on a mask, but you can't keep that up for 24 seven. So Mm -hmm. your husband saw, and this is so true because so many people who are dealing with depression, they don't want people to know what they're dealing with. So they internalize it. And on the outwards, their external factor is showing a different picture. And the reason why I say that is because I went through depression at a young age uh, when I was in high school and it stemmed from me being bullied in high school. So I went through my own pit and it took me a while to get out of the pit into the palace metaphorically speaking and when you're in that dark that dark place everyone who deals with depression deals with it differently so what type of advice would you like to give to someone who may be dealing with it the way you were just going through the emotions of life everything's fine I'm well you put a smile on and you know you have this fake it till you make it Um, mindset but then inside you're crying out you're pleading like you want to get out of the rat race you want to get out of the rut but you feel like maybe no one is going to understand what you're going through because they haven't stepped foot into your situation so they can't walk a mile in your shoes if that hits home for you oh absolutely on many many levels so what I would give as advice um two parts. The first is that you're not alone. And there there are other people who have been through a similar experience and that there is hope for healing. So uh, one of the books that I wrote is called Crushed, A Journey Through Depression. And I share this story and climbing out of it. And I have received so many letters from people who have said, I felt like I was reading my own story. I felt like you were in my head and they felt seen and they felt understood and it gave them hope that they could heal too. And it's interesting that these were not just people who were struggling with depression and anxiety. These are all kinds of different people dealing with all kinds of different issues because even though our life experiences are very, very different, the feelings, the emotions we have, are actually very similar and relatable. And that is what Crushed is about. This is me opening myself up so that I can help other people. Like I said, I felt like I was in a deep hole and someone lowered a ladder down so that I could climb out. And that is now my responsibility to pay it forward, to offer a ladder to anyone who feels trapped and stuck in a dark place. So who lowered that ladder down for you, for you to climb up and get out? Because you mentioned you were in it for five and I'm not sure if you're religious or or spiritual. I don't want to confuse the two because there is a difference, but five is the number five is the number of grace, right? And you mentioned you were in depression for five years. So when you think about five and you, you, Think about what five means, what it symbolizes. Do you feel like after being in it for five years, there was a reason why you had to sit in it for five years? Or what are your thought process behind you being stuck in depression for five years? And then bring us to the point where someone helped you lower that ladder down and you climbed up and out. Okay. So why I was down in there for five years is... um... I'm not sure where to start because I can cover them both. So let me say that um, I was there because I wasn't ready to get out. I think that's the short answer. So um, 
how I did get out is my sister was studying to be a life coach and she prepared this women's retreat. She had reserved this condo in the mountains and for three days, she was going to invite this group of women and teach them how to be happy and how to live fulfilled and stuff like that. And she had absolutely no idea what I was going through, none, but she invited me to come. And when she did, it made me sick. I thought there is no way. There's no way. I, first of all, I can't handle being around other people day and night without any means of escape. And second of all, it's not going to do any good because nothing helps. I'm stuck. I mean, I have no hope. There's, there's nothing that's going to work. But even though I didn't want to go, um, it wouldn't leave my head. And so I, I gathered up all my courage and I went. And I'm so glad that I did because it is metaphorically like she lowered a ladder into my hole and showed me a way to climb out. And it was very much a ladder. It was not an elevator. It was not instant at the press of a button. It took time. It took effort and it was hard. I've learned that healing is not like flipping on a light switch. It's not instant. It is like a sunrise where the changes from moment to moment might be imperceptible, but it does come and it is beautiful and it is powerful. And so that is what helped bring me up into a better place. Now, I like to say that every journey to healing begins with hope. And hope is an acronym. And the H stands for having a hunger for healing, for happiness. When we are satisfied with the way things are, when we're satisfied with the status quo, then nothing changes. We have to have a desire and it's not a little desire. This desire has to reach a tipping point. And the tipping point is when we want to change more than we want to stay the same. So you asked why I was there for five years. And it is because at that point, my hunger was not enough to tip me. Yes, I wanted to change. I mean, who wants to be sad and miserable? But it takes effort to fix things. And, 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 and I didn't think anything was going to work anyway. It was not for me until I was desperate. It was just, I, I'll, I'll try it. I'll try it. I, I don't think it's going to work, but I'll try it. Because I really can't stay here any longer. The O stands for being open. When I was struggling with depression, anxiety, oh, I was closed, tight, 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 like a little armadillo rolled up in a ball. And they do that to protect themselves. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was absolutely in survival mode, trying to protect myself. But you can't heal when you're rolled up tight, tight, tight. We have to be able to open up at least a little bit. And for me, my first step was admitting to another person, I'm not in a good place. And that was this, it wasn't for me, tight, tight, tight to arms open wide. That was as much as I could start. And it was enough. It was enough to let some healing in. I also had to be open to allowing someone else to help me, which takes some humility because my pride, I thought, oh, I have to do this myself or I failed. No, that's not true. And it actually doesn't work. So I had to be open to allowing someone to help me. I had to be open to some new ways of thinking and open to trying new things and being open to change and open to healing. 
The P stands for positive expectancy. And positive expectancy means that we are expecting a positive outcome. And if we, that, that positive expectancy is absolutely critical for the success of any mental or emotional type of treatment or program. Because if we don't believe anything is going to make a difference, then we're not going to put in any effort. But the good news is change is possible and hope is possible. Healing is possible. The E stands for empowerment. When we're struggling with depression, anxiety, low confidence, lack of self-esteem, uh, victim mentality, any of these kinds of things, it is we feel powerless and we have to get our power back. And power is a concept that's often misunderstood. I'm not talking about a hierarchical power where I get to boss other people around. I'm talking about personal power, the power of confidence, not arrogance, the power that of resilience, the power that I feel comfortable in my own skin, and that I know that I can handle my problems and everything is going to be okay, even if I don't know what okay looks like. And this kind of power helps us to be able to be resilient, to be confident, to be happy, to be able to move forward. And how do we get that power? It's through a combination of learning and doing. And that is what my, my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, is all about, is teaching what we need to learn and what we need to do to make those changes within ourselves. And I like how you broke down that um, your acronym version of hope, hunger, open, positive acceptance, empowerment, because they are all woven together. But when you were sharing that, I heard you had to go through a period where you had to shift your mindset. And when you shift your mindset, you envision things differently. When you envision things differently, you begin to take actions. When you begin to take actions, you're now planting new seeds. And in order for those seeds to grow, you have to do the work. You have to water it. You have to fertilize it. You have to give it the nourishment in order to see and reap the abundant harvest that you desire for your personal journey. So I really appreciate you painting that picture and just sharing that and just being open to share it. Because sometimes when you go through certain things in life, it's hard to talk about it, even though when you graduate from that season of your life, when you have to talk about it, there are some things that end up surfacing again, those feelings, the emotions, um, the moment, and et cetera. So during those times of sharing, you have to think about how did I persevere during this time? How was I resilient? How has the work that I've done to overcome that? How is that still relevant and impactful now? Because sometimes people could easily be triggered, especially when they came out of a depressive state. So you have to recognize what is going on internally. And are you allowing what's going on internally to affect you externally? Because sometimes we say we're fine, we're well or whatnot, but then the actions that we take are painting a different picture. That is all very, very true. So many aspects of what you talked about that are so important and so deep. And some of the things you talked about planting seeds and the work and the watering and the caring of it. And one of the things when I was learning and trying to learn some new ways of thinking is that the thoughts that we have 
our seeds in our mind and they grow. And she said, you know, if you're planting weed seeds, then weeds are going to grow. And if you're planting tomato seeds or something that is what you want, then that is what will grow. I had to learn how to work on my self-talk because the things that I would say to myself and my mind, I would never say to you. I, I would never say to any, any of my friends, I would never say to another person on this planet because I'm kind to other people, but I wasn't kind to myself. And I had to learn to be the kind of person who is kind to myself. And I had to plant those seeds of kindness. And I think that that is an excellent place to begin when you're trying to work through things. And you also mentioned, you know, it is, it, it's not a one-time deal. There is maintenance involved because unfortunately, all of my problems did not stop after I got out of my dark place and, and into the sunlight bad things still happen, issues still come up, and I have to keep myself strong and in a good place so that I can be resilient and be able to handle the new challenges as they come. And so some of those things are just daily small action steps, a small routine in the morning and a small routine in the evening, just things to keep myself in a good place. We eat food every day. We nourish our bodies. We need to help nourish our emotions and our, our mental and emotional uh, well-being as well. Yes, you definitely have to do mind, body, and soul. All of them have to be worked on. And I want to, um, as we begin to wind down, when did you decide to write the book, Crushed? during the process. It was written during the process. And when you, when you read it, it is raw. It's, it's raw. It's not, it's not an edited watered down version. It, it's a little bit painful. I've had friends who said, I, I can't believe you put that in there because uh, that makes you really vulnerable, but I'm so glad you did because I felt that way too. And it was just what I needed. So um, it's interesting. I, I couldn't write it like that if I tried to now, because I can't remember how it feels. When I read it, I think, oh, my heart aches for this poor person who feels so miserable, but it doesn't feel like it's me because that is not who I am anymore. And I'm so glad that you are no longer in that state. I'm so glad that you are soaring like an eagle. I'm glad that you put in the work to have self-care, self-awareness, self-actualization, and love who Linda is so you could be a blessing to others. I'm so glad that you put the book out on the market because your book is touching lives because you made an imprint to drive an impact, to now be a world changer because somebody is going to have hope by reading your story because you were bold, you were courageous, and you were resilient enough to write while you were going through your own trials and tribulations. And by golly gee, that test is now a testimony that you talk about. And I want you to leave us with one to two gems and then close us out with who you are, how the listeners and viewers could connect with you on social media, and then I'll wrap us up. Excellent. Okay, a couple gems. One, I 
invite you to be the kind of person who is kind to yourself. And I invite people everywhere to join with me in making the world a better place by working on the only person that you truly have the power to change, and that is yourself. And my name is Linda Bjork. You can reach me at um, you, for the Hope for Healing website is hopeforhealingfoundation.org. I am also a podcast host. That's lindascorner.com. And you can find me on social media at lindascorner. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. You just had the pleasure of hearing Linda Bjork and she shared her journey. And we talked about from broken to beautiful. She walked us through her journey. And I want to encourage you that you are a masterpiece, that the potter's wheel still works. You may be broken, but that doesn't mean you can't be put put back together. I want you to know that you are here for a purpose and purpose is inside of you. Just because you fall, get back up because the finish line is up ahead. I need you to win. I am rooting for you because when you win, you're able to pass your baton to somebody else so they could continue along their journey. Remember, we're not in this world by ourselves. We're in this world together. United we stand and divided we fall. And make sure you subscribe on the audio platform you're listening to. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp, and share this segment with somebody because you never know how it will bless another person. But because you cared, they're able to live and have hope. So until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself a wonderful day.